it, it's an interesting uh, group that I see here. Uh, area, if you're Area Lutheran High School um, connected, raise your hand. Okay, so the majority are, are that. And then Synod, like the, there's, there's a, a Kurt. And so any syn, uh, other Synod related, anything beyond that? Anything beyond Perry? Okay, so like for institutional ministries, institutional ministries for fun. That's a, <laughs> let's have fun uh, with, the, with the Bible study. So um, uh, good to have you. When we talk about a, a time for, for everything, I, I suppose why a Bible study, if, if you've been looking at it a little bit or f- flipping through it, why a Bible study on time? That's interesting. Um, especially when, in, in light of Ecclesiastes uh, uh, chapter 3. So there the author is summing up uh, uh, all of life together. And uh, so he says, there's a time for everything and uh, a season for every activity. And then in the next seven verses, he goes on, and there are 14 sets of competing activities in which he intertwines the word time 28 times. And then at the end of that section, he goes on and, and then he makes a conclusion. So, um, what ought a person to conclude? And, and then he uses the word toil twice. What, does a, uh, what is it about a guy uh, after spending his entire life toiling, you know, the use of his, uh, all of the time in life, toiling, and then uh, he reaches a conclusion. He goes, you know what, it's just about, he goes, it's about being happy. And about doing good, being happy and doing good, not in the way like uh, eat, drink, and be merry, not that kind of happy, but having a contentment in life and doing good, especially when it's for the glory of time. So, if if we're going to take a look, uh, having a Bible study on time, I, I think even Jesus touches upon that in the Gospels. In John chapter uh, nine, he he tells us what in reference to time, he says work. While it's day. Why? Because night is coming. I think if, if, if we're looking at time, we need to understand that's one of the most precious commodities uh, that we have when it comes to stewardship. If stewardship is the management of all the resources that God has given, then time has to rank as one of the most precious yet dwindling commodities that we have. So I would prayerfully consider that our time is well spent here as we hear Jesus say, work while it is day. There's an urgency uh, when, it comes, uh, when, when it comes to the gospel that's also been entrusted, a stewardship issue of the gospel connected with a stewardship issue of time. Now we connect it to your job descriptions, whether, and, and this is going to be very interesting. I didn't know how to uh, work the Bible study. Do I, do I look at this congregationally? Because I think some of you probably get into congregations on a regular basis. So uh, could this be a Bible study that a congregation needs to hear in order to kind of cattle prod them to say, let's get going? Um, or is this just uh, simply in you personally as we look at your time and, and how you spend it and the urgency that there is in this, uh, this little moment that God has given you on earth and then has called you to use your time wisely. So um, that, that's why I, I think a time for everything, we're going to cover the four things. If you, if you already looked through the sheet already, uh, a time to prioritize what exactly is the priority. So we're going to look at that, uh, a time for perspective, um, being able to extend out beyond this very moment or in the coming um, maybe, maybe I think mission advancement people always have to be looking out a little bit further than beyond their nose in time for planning purposes, especially you, you have principals planning maybe for the school year, but I would think mission advancement, you've got to be out there three, five, maybe ten years. But even that's a short amount of time. How do we take uh, the perspective and tie it in uh, to the eternal perspective? And then uh, also being able to look at a time to plan. Jesus had one. And it's interesting, simple plan, but then he repeated it over and over, wherever, wherever he went to every location. Here was the plan. How does, how does that uh, uh, fit into ours? And then finally, a, a time to pause. And, and then we're going to, actually, I think this is where we personally apply it to you and be able to say, uh, 
I, I think you can be busy people, always on the road, always talking with people. How do we pull back from the busyness and just say, um, are, are you spending enough time uh, resting? So we'll look at those four. Sound, sound good enough? Fair? All right, so let's uh, get started. Uh, a time to prioritize. And the first section on your sheet says um, uh, prioritizing priorities. Prioritizing is an important skill to have both personally and ministerially. So in this introductory activity, think about your ministry priorities. And so we're going to take a look at three Bible passages right now, briefly. And then it says, discuss what these passages say about our mission as Christians. So from here on, that's, this is as, as long a span of time that I want to talk. Now, it's, now, this is meant to be, you, you have to talk, so don't leave me hanging. So we're going to do this uh, together as a group, and uh, then we got some uh, other activities that will break you off. Boy, I sure hope you like the person sitting next to you, because you're going to be in small groups with that person. So uh, here's the first passage. Uh, passages, let's look at one, and then you tell me how does this passage tie in. What does this say about our mission as a Christian? So here's the first passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So what is the mission based on that passage that we're, we're tying into? What is it? Our mission as Christians. Please. Spiritually. Yeah, there it is. So, uh, and, and there it is, uh, grow. Right? So, so grow spiritually. That is a, that is a key mission of, of being a Christian or, or part of a congregation. So growing spiritually. Here's the next one. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. You've seen this one before, right? Um, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, um, and there, I, I suppose you, you were so nice. You, you talked about growing spiritually. So, so that, I, I suppose if we we're going to look at that word, go. That's another part of our mission. So grow spiritually. Now go uh, out, out there making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's a mission that was given to us by Christ. And then the third one from Matthew chapter 20, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What's the mission that Jesus is giving us in that scripture? Serve others. Serve. Yep. Grow, go, and serve. Yeah, good. Now, in smaller groups, and... How about we do it like this? Do you see where the, uh, the t your table ends? So I, I'm looking at a bunch of tables, and there's a crease. There's the, uh, the state line uh, in between all your tables. So as a, 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 a table, yeah, you have a choice because you're right on the line. You're on the border of Florida and Georgia. <laughs> so just do this. In smaller groups, list up to 15 things you do as, as a ministry, and then rank them in order of importance, and then explain, get ready to explain why you rank them the way that you did, based on the mission that Jesus has given his church. All right? Does that sound good? All right, so there it is, 15. Uh, can, I'll, I'll be, get this done in about three minutes. Can you do that? Three minutes. Don't think too hard, too long. Just brainstorm it away. So your task was uh, to come up with 15 things that you do as a ministry and then rank them in order of importance with a little explanation of why you did it that way. So, uh, do you want me to call on, on someone directly and not even give you a chance? Or I, I, I'm curious if, if someone would just be willing to share. Well, we only got six, so I want to share first. We, we were working as fast as we thought we could. Okay. We only got if, okay, so uh, we'll start with the top six, and then we'll go from there. Sound good? All right, here we go. What were your, uh, t list your top six. One of the things that, as, you know, as a development director, I get to take it and allow people to share the gifts that God's given them so that we get to prepare Christian servant leaders. They may not be in their congregation. They may not be 
you know, near them, but they're allowing them to grow. They're also allowing, as a church, us to go with that message. You know, so, and I get to serve them with opportunities then to do that. Good stewardship, good God-pleasing ways to share your gifts with, with the church. And sometimes ways to think of, can I help with this? You know, and so I think that's important. And Paul brought that great thing. As we go out, so often it seems humanly impossible with what we need to, to fund. But God continues to bless it. We get to display that then to it. And again, that's serving the people with showing them the impact that their gifts, that their often heartfelt, sincere gifts have done, that they get to rejoice in the blessings of their Savior. And seeing that, not, not us, it's the Savior. So I see you focus on the grow, on, on being able to take the time to grow people. Okay? Also gives it gives them the opportunity to be part of that goal. Okay. You know, and I, I think if we don't do our job well, our schools don't do well, or our ministries don't do well, and therefore those wonderful young Christians that we have, they don't get the opportunity to go. You know, and I think that's so important that. As we work to do that, we're not working to build buildings. We're, we're working to pair Christ, servant leaders. The mission is spiritual. Was that an accumulation of all six of yours, or was that one? It's kind of accumulation of all six. Okay. The one thing that I, it's hard to prioritize, which is the most important of all these. One thing that we felt is ministry is so often something that we share with people. Okay. The emphasis of growing ourselves. Okay, growing yourselves spiritually. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other uh, group care to share what you had? Please. Um, I think, and I agree with you, it's very hard to prioritize everything. We said our first one is, as mission advancement is to share the mission, share the mission of our ministry. Okay. You know, we have to get out there and share it. And what I have found, I'm sure you have as well, is a lot of times when you're sharing the ministry with them, they're sharing so much more back with us. So okay. listening, listening to them, I think, is, is very key. Okay. Um, and then we also know that we want to help meet the needs of our donors, the people that we're talking with. Um, we want to come back and tell the stories. You know, we want to make sure, because there are so many stories, a lot, of, a lot of these people have been with the ministry you know, from the beginning of time, whereas maybe we jumped in, you know, down the line. And yeah. so we, we're preparing to celebrate our 50th anniversary at KML. So we're really into the hearing the stories and sharing the stories and telling the stories right now. Nice, right, Sir Kettle. Yes. 80, yes. 87 KML graduate. Yeah. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't have an inheritance to set up yet, but. Yeah, exactly. Right there. Um, and, and we talked about basically, you know, one of our main roles is just you know, in order to hit our 15, we could have said texting, emailing, calling, visiting, you know, but just basically being in contact with all of Contact, people. gotcha. That's, that's um, doing presentations to them, visiting them, um, and, and reporting, you know, whether it's in different meetings, board meetings, things like that, reporting, and forecasting, like you had talked about the future. We okay. Want to forecast what, you know, if we see the growth, we really need to start admission advancement, preparing for that now of what's to come in the three to five to ten years. So, so the ones that you just listed off uh, sequentially, is it because, did you list them in priority? So like the first was number one, yes, then two, yes, three? Yes, okay, yes. Mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. Yep. All right. Mark? Just talking to the ministries that you know, we're, we're in a couple of different types of ministries, but um, you start with what Jesus said, uh, preach the word, um, no matter what ministry you're in or what involvement Equipping 
Your jobs are, are absolutely fascinating because, A, I don't know how to do it. But, <laughs> but, it, is, but it is spiritual. I mean, it has to start with the spiritual calling and, and how much more so for you before you even, I can only imagine all the numbers and the goals and the plans and everything, but even before any of that, being able to prioritize uh, the, the spiritual calling that empowers and gets you passionate to be able to go out, to be able to go out and then be able to serve people humbly. Uh, thank you, thank you. Mo move on. Um, the next section asks, th here's a list of relationships, responsibilities, uh, blessings that God places into our lives. Work, God, spouse, children, hobbies, friends, those in need. Now, how would God, because you just were asked, prioritize the, the list of your ministries. How would God have us rightly order these loves? Um, so go, just take a couple seconds to yourself and place a number, uh, a priority with each of those bold-faced uh, words. All right, good. All right. Now you want me to just randomly call? Somebody share uh, their list. What do you have? Mark. So uh, God number one, spouse number two, children number three, work four, um, friends five, six, those in need, and seven. And why, um, this maybe goes back to the first part, um, who I am as a claimed child of God needs to be first and foremost. And so nurturing that so that I'm in heaven someday is vital. But that has a direct impact on every single my next one is, is my wife. This is, so my calling is a child of God, but my secondary calling is as a husband. <coughs> and that is till death parts us. So that's, so that's my number two, and that directly relates to service, right? That's who God has placed in my life. Number three is children. God has placed them into my life for only a certain time. Sometimes it's more intense as a parent. Then work, obviously, would, would come after that. Supporting my family and my callings as well, um, and still treasuring God through my work. Then I put down uh, friends. These are the, the these are the people that God has placed into my life that I can nurture a relationship so that I can go and share this gospel that I cherish. Um, those in need, probably after that, sometimes it's friends who are in need. But if I can do that, and then last is is hobbies. I just um, I see that as something that's enjoyable for me, but I, I want to serve others first, and so, but I do realize that my hobbies are helpful so that I can be restful enough to fulfill all my other callings. So that's my order. Thank you. That was a good order. Is that order subject to opinion? I mean, did anyone have a different order to it? And if so, I'd love to hear it and, and maybe the explanation for it. So something different from the most reverend over there. Yeah, Mark. What was your order first? It's not to contradict the most holy reverend over there. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have, you have one A, and that's obviously the Lord, and then all the rest are one B. And I think you, the Lord gives you the opportunity to think about all those different priorities in your life and to say, use the time that I have given you in the way that you're Christian reason and captive to Christ. Uh, use it in a way that, that is beneficial to everybody around you. Um, so I think there's, a, there's an obviously love the Lord and then love your neighbor. One A and one B. Yeah, so there's, there's that number one, and then everything after that um, is number two, and, and being able to work, work through it, especially with different times of life and how each of those impacts. Okay, all right. I, I like how you're looking at it, yeah. I, 
think it's important to have time away. And if you can especially make a time with your family, it's hobbies that you enjoy, and teaching them how to do those things is very important. Um, um, work and, and children, I have three and four. Because when the children are at home, they were number three, work would be number four. Now that they're gone, work becomes number three, and the children become number four. So and the rest would be the same three things. OK. Interesting. Thank you. As I was working through it, I, it's like K-12, some children, that's family, and then I'm going, <coughs> reality is somewhere, the old acronym, joy. If Jesus is not there in all of them, you can't serve others. Yeah, that, that number one affects all the rest yeah, of them. Very true. Um, you know, even our hobbies. If, if God's not there as part of the hobby, I, I'd like to hunt and fish. If, if I'm not enjoying that in perspective that's in light of God's gift to us, it's not that great. But seeing what he gives us and the beauty that he gives us. And so all of these, and I, and I think that's also why work often, and I don't call it work because I don't think I've ever gone to work. You know, what we what we get to do it, it's just a blessing. It, it's not it, it, he's allowing us to serve and he's allowing us this opportunity. And I, so I, I we ask, I wonder if in, a sec, in the secular world that this would be a lot more difficult. It probably would be. If, uh, because uh, you're all too sanctified, uh, and which is this is your calling, your vocation, as opposed to someone who may be punching a clock. Sure, absolutely. It, it, and so that's what I thought of. It's just that joy. Thank that you. It's Jesus, others, yourself. But if Jesus is not there, you can't have the word joy. Uh, thank you. And did you notice there was a, a little personal reflection? What does the order look like in your life? And uh, sometimes it, I think it's a great question just to keep looking at this list. What are the priorities? Have I deviated to assess on a regular basis? Um, I think that if Ecclesiastes chapter 3 can say there is a time and a season for, for everything and for every activity, you are going to have your busy seasons where you may be putting in a 78-hour week. But that could be followed up a couple weeks later by something that's 30-35. So, there, there, there are seasons and there are movements that come with our, our schedules, but to be constantly uh, working or constantly uh, at the hobbies that we have, you can just see then how does, that, how does that shape up our priorities. How does the world order these? I mean, now take the list that you have. What's the order that the world would give to those? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I left the business. Oh, giddy up. But I left the business world because I had a managing partner whose whole goal was let's set your goals and priorities for the year and how much money you want to make and how much stuff you want to get first. And that was that was his priority. And I, I'm not a part of this organization anymore. It's just I had to change it because that's what it is. It's work, money, um, your hobbies, and your family, God, that all came way down the road for him and that's okay. the perception that he was trying to get everybody to start believing it's just a huge pit. Very, very similar experience to Eric. I, I came from the same kind of background. Okay. Same background, same kind of thing where you set your priorities solely based on financial priorities. Okay. And hmm. God was nowhere in the picture at all. That is so American culture, isn't it? Yeah. To that? Same thing. Okay. And to the point that our management, I thought someone was on drugs, but they had just pulled a really long shift, multiple weeks in a row, and seen their kid Okay. And if that does become the priority where it is work because it, it is about the money, um, and, and then how does that affect then if, if then, um, say, your wife, your spouse, your marriage gets pushed uh, further down, then you know why um, uh, marriage counseling is absolutely going through the rough in our culture today because of the, the misprioritization. Uh, as opposed to godly uh, priorities for that. And, and you can even see that American culture, its influence upon the spiritual culture uh, of our churches today, especially coming out of COVID. Why, uh, why do we have 14% of uh, uh, communicants that are in some form 
of a spiritual growth opportunity with their church, which means 86% of members who say, this is my church home, probably do not. Uh, they, they don't have that. Now, does that mean because all 86% of them are doing uh, personal family devotions at home? Is that why? Um, that, that over uh, 60 to 65% of our members are, are not regular in their worship attendance? Is it because uh, all 65% of them are worshiping online religiously? It's, you, you can just see the effect of American culture, the misprioritization, which is why I think uh, uh, being able to talk priorities is huge. Um, when, when we get into congregations and, and we just kind of pry a little bit uh, about their lives, where is God in the list of it? Okay, and then I think we're going to go on. Uh, and, and then if we're, Let's go to a, a, a time uh, for perspective because I think perspective, um, if our culture has skewed the principle of priority, then, then we, I think we need to just start by regaining uh, perspective, uh, a time for perspective. And so um, I think what I'm going to do is, uh, uh, you know the, uh, that real popular productivity guru, Stephen Covey? See, it's interesting. Stephen Covey asks, um, um, uh, when you die, what exactly is it that you want people uh, saying about you at your funeral? And if so, how would that affect um, the activities and, and, and how you stay busy in the activities of your life? How does that shape your life um, if people are going to be forming a eulogy uh, about you? And so um, if that's the question, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to have the eulogies of two kings. Both of them are dead. And I'm going to have you take a look at it. And in particular, I want you to read, especially focus on the bold-faced words of these eulogies. And then after you see those, then I want you to answer that question. Which eulogy do you think that people generally would prefer to have at their, uh, at their funeral? Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. King number one. All right, especially with the, the bold-faced words. All right, and I'm, I'm not making this up. This actually is... This actually uh, comes from a historical perspective. All right, so there's King One. You good? Here's the eulogy for King Number Two. All right, so there are the two kings, both dead. Which one do you think people would prefer at their funeral? Well, Christian people would say King Two. <laughs> I knew that was someone. Someone's going to be again such a sanctified group here. Yeah. <clears throat> But go to, what about this king number one? I mean, this sounds fantastic, doesn't it? If this was on the pedestal, my name is, look at that, king of kings. This is a guy who must have been known in his time. I mean, when I look at that, and when I, especially when I think of the, uh, uh, when, I, when I look at that, uh, like the pedestal, I'm thinking like ancient Egyptian pharaohs. Like Ramses II, the, even today, they're still digging out there in the sands of the desert, and they're uncovering big monuments like that. To who? To king of kings, people that are forever known. Now, look at how many people really want king number two? I, I just get a, I get a kick out of how king number two is eulogy ends, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, let's say that this is like Mark, you know. So this, Mark dies, and then his, his eulogy is now when Mark Casemeyer had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried, and his body, Mark's body decayed. There it is. That's starting now, by the way. There it is. So... <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. Just just says that. Yep. Uh, yep. And 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 he decayed. But then you take a look at when Paul was talking about the death of a faithful Christian. He 
tended to use the words, fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Sure. When he was talking about the death of unsanctified or people that did not know their Savior, he used the word death. You know, for us, that will be our eulogy. You know, by God's grace. Yep. So, and then at the end, and then he decayed. I love the fact that he said he served God's purpose. You know, it's almost like he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. He did what God wanted him to do. In just in that generation, you know, with mission advance, we oftentimes talk about leaving a legacy and da 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 da. No, in his own generation, he did what God wanted him to do, and the army's dead and gone. This is a. A 26-year-old guy wrote this as a poem four years before he died. He died at age 30, and so the name of it was uh, Osmond Diaz, and I think his last name was like Shelley or something. Um, anybody, can anybody identify king number two? It's David. King David. So now, take a look at these two passages. Second Samuel, this is from the time of Samuel. When your days, David... This is God. David, when your days are over and you will rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his uh, kingdom. And then in Acts chapter 13 is where the Apostle Paul is taught, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, was buried with his ancestors, his body decayed. Now, uh, on your sheet, it says, uh, after reading those two passages, finish this sentence. One of the most important things you can say about the life of David or any believer who has died is, finish it. What is, how do you finish that sentence? Serve God's purpose. Yeah. He served God's purpose. He was connected. He was connected to Jesus. Someone who was the, uh, the promised flesh and blood descendant of the line of King David who would establish his kingdom forever and ever. And so David played a part. There, there was a moment in time, but then he went away. But the, but the blessing of being able to be connected uh, with David's greater son. So I, I would think that if, if, God's, if I serve God's purpose and then I die, but I've been connected to Jesus all the way through my life, then I say that's the best life I've ever lived. Describe how the way someone finishes that sentence can affect their perspective on life. How does finishing the, that sentence, how, how can that affect a person's perspective on life? I suppose if you want people to remember you that way, you better act that way. You, you personally, your, your perspective, but as a mission advancement counselor um, or in, in your roles with mission advancement it, you have more than just five or ten years into the future there's an eternal perspective that is painted for you but is also painted for every single one of the people with whom you come into contact with it isn't about just uh, 70 to 80 years but like David David had 70 to 80 years too but how does this tie into the eternal perspective, the, the, the spiritual growing and going? Um, the eternal perspective is so important beyond uh, just what the next three to five or long-range goals are going to be. Um, so then, if, then I would say uh, take Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Um, it, it says, describe the concerns of God that Jesus has in mind as he looks ahead in his earthly life. Well... Um, it, it begins, Jesus began to teach him that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so here you see Jesus talking about the, uh, the, what are the concerns of God that he had versus the concerns that Peter had. And so when you look at the concerns Jesus had in mind and you look at how it begins, he had no concern about his life. He knows what's going to be happening to his life. His concern 
has something to do with uh, how, how do we save all the lives of these people right here, that eternal perspective that Jesus had. But then what are the human concerns that Peter led that wanted him, wanted him to avoid uh, uh, Jesus' Father's will? Um, then you can see why would he rebuke him? It's because uh, Peter didn't have eternal perspective in mind. He simply had uh, a short-sighted perspective, which is um, that what you're talking about has something to do with pain, and let's avoid that aspect of it. So how much more important the eternal perspective, the concerns of God, versus the uh, short-sighted, sometimes a human perspective, which often looks for ways to avoid the cross, which is why um, uh, maybe what we'll do, the way of the cross, uh, I think what I'll do is just have you, again, divide up by your tables, like you did before, in your groups before. So I, I want you to read these verses from Mark chapter 8, and I, I want you to pick, well, maybe, maybe we'll do this, like this table uh, does career, this one does singlehood, uh, the next one does children, uh, this, where do we leave off, Sp is it sports? and then money, and then crippling illness, and then technology, and uh, new shows, and then you're the anything else. There it is, all right? So take a couple minutes at your table, and then just say, how do those words, Mark chapter eight, about the way of the cross, apply these verses to a person's perspective on that designated area, okay? Take, take like a, a two minutes to discuss, and then we'll do a quick wrap-up. Go ahead. And one. I want you, in 15 seconds or less, summarize how this scripture, the way of the cross, how does that impact um, a person's perspective? And, and then here we go. So how does that uh, impact a uh, career? Look at those words. Your career is simply to serve yourself. So it's what goals, what expectations do you aspire to? Uh, for us, it's the beauty of this is our opportunity to serve. And along the way, it may not look perfect. That donor might not write that check that we were hoping for. That's okay. I serve my Savior, and I take up my cross, and I keep going. I, it's hard for us, as, for me as a Christian, to see that passage from a, a non-worldly point. The closest thing I can do is look at my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law grew up a Muslim, and now is nothing. When his career didn't go well, there was no hope when he lost his son at 19. It was devastating. There was no hope, no glory. But that was the one time I felt it though too as I looked at a casket with somebody I loved. And I had no hope. That changes perspective on what is, what's most important, especially when it comes to career. Thank you. How does uh, these verses, how did you relate it to singlehood, marriage, and choice of spouse? No matter what our status in life is, our goal needs to be focused on our future, on our journey toward our future. So she's gorgeous, but is she a believer? Um, uh, what about children? What if you can't have children? How does that, how does that change perspective? Or where am I going to prioritize my time if I have children? Um, uh, because I think kids can become like idols too today. And so uh, what am, I go am I going to run them around to a hundred different locations over the course of a day? Um, or am I going to cut back on those in order that I might be able to spend time around a kitchen table being able to pray and have a devotion with them, speak about God? Yeah. Um, oh, I... I that was children. Yeah. Be at home with them and have time to pray. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said it changes with time as they as they grow, but ultimately the perspective the changes once you have kids. Train them up in the Word. Our goal is to get them to heaven, not to 
make them realize they need to more stop or be engulfed with what the world says is right, hmm. but what God says is right. Especially with the uh, kids that are growing up and getting married. They're getting married older. They say the average couple in America is, is now getting uh, female. It's 29. For guys, it's 30. Unheard of. And they're not, they're not uh, uh, pushing out you know, four to six kids anymore. It's, it'll be uh, maybe one or two. So uh, how does that shape uh, our views on, on kids? All right, next one was, uh, was it sports? Uh, yeah, sports, and we tied it in with family and children and the world that we live in right now, how, how young we are making sure they're all in, in every travel club possible. And that's success when I do that, rather than what we want to make sure that they understand that success is using your God-given gifts to the best of your ability. And at the end, you don't come home with a trophy or, or a medal. It's okay. You did what God, you know, using your gifts in that way. And respect it. Thank you. For sure on Sports is such a priority in culture. How does that fit into uh, our priorities? How about money? Invest it wisely in the gospel ministry, impacting souls. Ooh instead of investing it for me, but for the glory of God. How about for crippling, thank you. Crippling terminal illness? Kind of said with that, it's, it's uh, kind of goes back to the eternal versus earthly. When you're, if you have a crippling illness, that is your cross that you're bearing. And on this earth, your life may not be great, but you have to consider that it's very short term do things, everything to the glory of God, and He will sanctify you. So, is crippling illness a bad thing, or how can carrying that cross become something for the glory of God? If, if, if you do it from a Christian perspective, and, and, and keep in mind that, that 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 God has whatever His plan is for you, even though you don't understand it and don't maybe even agree with it, if you can show others how your strength. Uh, in, the, in, in God through the Bible that you can, you can uh, perhaps others will see that and they will also say wow okay if he can have strength or she can have strength that God with the, the, the cards they've been dealt then maybe I can too I just saw like uh, one of those little 15 second videos of this, this guy you know he's, he, he looked like the Incredible Hulk he was just built and uh, he, he was at the gym and he had his phone, of course, and he's talking into it. And uh, he panned to a, gr a woman who was in a wheelchair and obviously out of her element whatsoever. And, and then th she comes on in and she just picks up like a two pound dumbbell and just starts wor working out. The guy pans back to him and says, she's my idol. She inspires me. So even illness that can be used, uh, uh, sickness or cripple disease can be used to the glory of God. Uh, thank you, technology. Yeah, I mean, technology is something where a lot of the world views it as, you know, the answer to all my problems, you know, and the technology will make me happy, you know, and meet all my needs. Um, but, you know, if, as Jesus said, you know, what good is it for someone to gain the whole thing for a soul? That's right. <laughs> everything that technology has to offer, and yet don't have God, don't have Christ in your life, you don't have anything. I put that in because... Um, what is it if, if, if you gain the latest iPhone? Because I, I did. I just upgraded. My kids were making fun of me too much. So uh, having the latest iPhone, and yet, it's, it's the priority. And then uh, uh, finally, new shows? Well, we just said that, you know, most of technology is reactive now. And when you have God, God's always proactive because he lays it out there exactly for you, what you should think and how you should think because he tells you. So when you have a proactive approach, you can filter things more correctly and use it in the right way as opposed to being reactive. Yeah, because we all want to be on the latest news. And what if we are not? Yeah. So in, in prioritization uh, for that. Uh, we're running out of time. So I'm looking at the remaining two sections. We could do a time to plan which um, obviously I should have done a better job of uh, for that. But I, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to skip that part because I was going to have you divide up and just say uh, uh, planning is a biblical encouragement. So, and its effect upon it. And, and there are some different scenarios of how good, bad, or, uh, or really great planning affects the different institutions. And, and then you were 
uh, supposed to say uh, what would a church look like or what would an area Lutheran high school look like if they didn't if they followed the same thing, just to emphasize that. Uh, so, uh, so here, they're just scriptures that talk about uh, God's plans, and so this is why we plan, and looking at uh, biblical scenarios that show how planning actually was a blessing um, in, in these uh, 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 biblical uh, perspectives. But then we plan uh, trusting God. And then there are, there's, uh, Jesus told uh, a couple of different uh, uh, stories about planning, which reminds us that there can be good planning, but there can be bad planning. A bad plan is if you go into war and you have not um, uh, been able to think the cost. Or if you're a congregation, you're, you're in a church, you're going in a church of 150,000, uh, that has an annual budget of 150000 but they're planning to build a $10 million church. So right there, it, it doesn't match up. I'm sure you have to deal with those kind of scenarios all the time. What exactly is good planning? You have to work through some of those uh, issues. What I wanted to uh, finish up with was going to be uh, a time to pause. And uh, uh, the, reason, uh, the reason for that is I, I want to introduce you to, to this character right here. There's an old Swedish cartoon uh, of a bear who, kind of like when Popeye gets his spinach and gets his power, so this bear uh, got his honey and, and, and it empowered him. So this character is, is like a, a sidekick to him, and he's called uh, Skullman. And you can notice the, the, like the clock that he has. And that he, th this um, turtle always carries around a clock, but if you look at it, it doesn't have numbers on it it simply has um, um, like a, a, a visual, a diagram. So every time that the clock goes off, then Skullman stops everything that he is doing and just does what the clock tells him to do. And, and uh, the punchline is you've got pillows all over the place. So this turtle is constantly taking naps. It doesn't, doesn't matter what, what, whatever he's doing. When it hits that, he looks at his clock and he goes, oh, I'm supposed to take a nap now, all right? So, uh, here's what I want you to do for, for the next minute. Come up with your own clock and draw or write in at least three different activities that always seem to take up time in your day. Please don't, don't put bathroom or you know, something like that. And, and don't aspire, don't be the aspiring Christian spiritual people that you are. I'm talking about something that you, you have habits what are the things that you just naturally have a habit of doing there? What are, you, what are you doing when you wake up in the morning, in the afternoon, before you go to bed? What are the things that almost pop up on your, uh, as, as part of your daily schedule and you think nothing of it, but you do it every single day? Take a minute, write down uh, at least three of those. They agree or disagree, my life would be too busy to use a clock like Skullman's where I have to stop and rest several times a day. This goes back to kind of like uh, your priorities because you could agree, I suppose, with that and say, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a turtle. I can, you know, or if, if there are things, how can you take a nap like a turtle if you're driving? You know, so, but at the same time, you could disagree and say, but napping has to be a priority for me. And um, uh, just as you, you, you may say, there are things that we do um, that we just religiously do it without even thinking about it, which could be uh, reading uh, a certain paper or you, you, you scroll through Fox News right away in the morning or you're watching ESPN. There are things that we do regardless of how busy we are in the course of a day, we still do those things. And so um, it, it goes on and, and we can talk about Sabbath rest and the scriptures give indication of why, why God gave us uh, Sabbath rest and the reasons that he gave it to us was so that there would be a day, a, speci a specified time that is dedicated to God, uh, something that is set aside for him. Um, I'm too busy for it. There, there's instances where God's people, uh, be, when they did not abide by that, uh, it had adverse effects. When they did not trust God or they couldn't wait for the Sabbath to be over, so that they could get back to doing their business as usual. So they had priorities, but it wasn't the rest that God intended them. And so um, you have a listing of final scriptures that if you uh, would take it through, you would be able to take each one and ask, how does, busyness is good, it can be. And at those Leviticus passages 
or I'm sorry, the Ecclesiastes passages, um, they show how busyness can actually be a good thing, but busyness can also uh, become a bad thing. What you have in your hand is, is actually, I gave you a snippet of actually four Bible studies. We're developing, we're creating a new stewardship program that's going to be called Stewardship Legacy. It's going to focus on, on all, of, all of those T's because what I'm finding out is congregations or uh, a pastor, you, every church is different and sometimes uh, they may have, uh, uh, there may be a priority to work on treasure first as opposed to time. Or a congregation has only 15% of their people activated in service. And so they may say, I may need to focus upon um, uh, using people's time and their talents. In other words, think of this kind of as, as five different, um, almost like uh, uh, links. You can click on each and every one of them and a congregation can decide which one do we need to prioritize for this year. Uh, we can, do, or, or come, to, and you can even do a rotation of these on a regular basis. And the goal is, with this kind of a stewardship legacy, you can just keep using them over and over again in the course of time. And each one of these uh, boxes will have uh, like a four-part, three, four-part series with sermon and worship helps, uh, the Bible study. That's, that's exactly um, uh, what we were covering for today, right? So this would actually be a four-part stewardship series on time and working people's way through it. And what you just covered today was like an initial Bible study. I wanted to give you a taste of time in those four different ones. That's why I kind of spliced them together. So um, maybe what we can do is, uh, can we close? with a prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to number our days aright uh, because uh, you've given us a gospel for this season, our time on earth, and you've asked us to be good stewards of it. So um, we, we trust that you will direct our days and you will bless our efforts. Uh, help us to increase our effectiveness uh, and efficiency in using your gospel and in our management of time so that it can be a blessing upon the hearts and the souls of many, and especially for your glory in the days and the years to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.